Good morning, everyone. It's Lee Henson, President and Founder of Agilad, and it's time for today's episode of The Daily Stand-Up. So without any further ado, let's get started. It's Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode from our Agile Expert. This Agile Expert series has been so enlightening, getting to talk to others and learn about what they know best. Uh, every single week, we've got something really, really interesting, uplifting, or inspiring, and we're showcasing and spotlighting and highlighting another expert in a field that's going to help bring knowledge to you and to the entire Agile Dad family. But today, I wanted to hone in on an email that I specifically received about an article that I endorsed some people, I fully endorsed and said people need to read this, and it was posted on scrum.org. Now, in all fairness and transparency, I am a certified scrum trainer for Scrum Alliance, but I was personally trained and mentored by Ken Schwaber. So you'll find that I never, ever, 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 never, ever dismantle or disparage any of the scrum.org trainers or the organization or Ken himself, because I have nothing but respect for them and for the job that they're doing. So with that being said, this article came out, and I believe I remembering the name correctly, it was Darla. Darla, and I don't remember her last name, I want to say Begina or Begina, I want to make sure I say it right, and I apologize if I slaughtered your name. But the title of the article was called Velocity is a Made-Up Number. And when I read it the first time, I laughed and I'm like, you know, if only people understood how correct that statement is. And it's not so much that it can't be used for good. It's the fact that too many people take it and weaponize it. So when you think of the term velocity, at least from a leadership perspective, most of the time it is their way to compare one team to another team or to track the progress in their agile journey or to see how can we increase the velocity. You know, uh, even Jeff Sutherland, you know, you're going to have a 1500% increase in productivity and you're going to be able to do twice the work in half the time. I mean, all that sounds great on paper, but the question becomes, how can we level uh, velocity to determine predictability? to determine how we can forecast based on that predictability, to determine where we're going as a team and what type of things we might encounter. There's so many things that come into question and so many ways that velocity could or should be leveraged, but there's also a lot of ways where we should not use velocity to measure certain things. So for example, the one thing that I hate the most is when organizations or leaders try to use velocity to measure performance. Now, this is something I'm very passionate about, and I'm glad that Darla brought it up. You know, sometimes teams say, well, if we could only increase our velocity by two more points or four more points, or, you know, we have a goal for this quarter to, as a team, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's killing me, right? Velocity, you shouldn't live and die by the sword of velocity. Velocity can be falsified just as easy as it presents truth. So I think sometimes when you use velocity to track stability or performance, what winds up happening is you're falsely proclaiming that things are because they aren't the way that they appear. So sometimes stakeholders are going to be judging or even giving increases, you know, if they're the the sponsor of the project based on that number. And the stakeholders always want to see that the number's increasing, that that the velocity should be increasing, right? Well, wrong. The velocity should be something that it has ebb and flow, but should be relatively stable. And it's just a good benchmark for us to determine the quantity, or I shouldn't even use the word quantity, but the amount of work that a team can consume in a specific sprint. And when I say amount, I'm talking about volume instead of quantity, right? Uh, Because I don't want you to quantify in terms of hours, days, weeks, dollars. What I want you to do instead is think in terms of volume as a metric. 
how much volume can be doing. And, and the volume in a gallon jug doesn't always have to increase, but the volume should be consistently a gallon. Let that sink in for a minute, right? I think sometimes we're leveraging velocity to try to find out the wrong things. And I love that uh, she brings into the picture uh, the cost of um, you know, estimated effort and complexity of work and, and all these other factors. And what does it all mean when you put it all together? And how do you triangulate and come up with a formula? Well, the good news is that in a recent Scrum Alliance article that I put together, I actually put together a velocity formula, a team velocity formula, how to figure out velocity. And you can do this for a waterfall team. It's a very simple formula. As long as you can get the teams to separate themselves from time-based thinking and prepare them to start thinking in terms of quantifying based on size. Because the truth is the size of an item doesn't necessarily change. But the amount of time it takes to do it can vary from individual to individual based on whether you have the senior architect work on it or a junior developer, right? So I think that if you look at velocity, and this is the part where I really draw uh, agreement with Darla, velocity for me is planning. Velocity is forecasting. Velocity is making sure that even from the onset, when we're coordinating with the product owner to make sure the product owner's hunch for the size or effort of the work matches with the team's uh, perceived capability of the work that needs to be done is, that that's where we're going to get the best bang for our buck. So the correct use of velocity is for the team by the team. We should go with what the team's estimates are, but we shouldn't do it blindly without knowing at some point where the product owner thought this would land. And this is a point of controversy because many people say the product owner shouldn't be estimating anything because they're not doing the work. And while I wholeheartedly agree they're not doing the work, I do think that it's the product owner's responsibility to at least put an initial estimate that's hidden from the team so that at release planning, we can validate those estimates. Because I believe if the product owner is having strong conversations with technical analysts or senior architects, and they understand how the work needs to be performed, it almost ensures that they have the right conversations before they misquantify what they're asking for and the team misjudges what they need to build. So I think you need some kind of cross-reference there. And this is something I talk about all the time, you know, that we need to have not just the product owners, you know, hunch uh, of what it is, but, but they need to do it with some kind of guidance, right? They, they can't make all these decisions on their own. There's an upcoming expert series with Mike Cohn where we talk about this very topic how the product owner is not someone who's omnipotent that lives on the top of a mountain. You know, we need to start treating them like what they really are and understand what their role is. That's just so critical and so important. But I think that if you're using velocity to determine what we're going to take in rather than trying to quantify it, right? So one more time, I'm going to say it, volumize, not quantify. So how many ounces of bottle, how many ounces of water fit in a bottle? That, that's that the size of the bottle is not going to change. The size is the size, but how fast I can drink that water is certainly going to change, right? And if it's me, I can probably drink it pretty quick. But the point is, <laughs> you need to think of it that way, right? Because if you start taking time out of the equation, if you start taking all the numeric values out of the equation, it's not how long it takes or how much it's going to cost or how many people it's going to take to do it. If you take all the numeric things out and rely on like t-shirt sizes, then you can start think, figuring out how many ounces the bottle really is, right? And how much, uh, how much quantity, how much, how much volume can we fit inside of that, inside of that schedule? And I think the thing that gets people the most confused is the time box around a sprint, because a lot of times if it's a two week time box, 
and the team can do, I don't know, 20 units in two weeks. That means they could do 10 units in one week and there's five days. That means you're doing two units a day. And if they're doing two units a day divided by four team members, that means each team member is doing 0.5 units. Oh my goodness, right? I think you see where I'm going with this. So then 0.5 units divided by eight hours. Oh my goodness. It, it, it just, if you're trying to get to that point where you're quantifying the work using these type of crazy time-based metrics, you're never going to get to the point where the reporting is solid. And you're also never going to get to the point where you can use it to forecast and figure out exactly what's going on. So I think to answer the big questions, right? The big questions that, that Darla brings up here. The first one is how do you use velocity? Well, if, you, if your answer there isn't to determine a, a, a sizable volume of work that the team can comfortably take into each sprint, then you're probably not using it correctly. Uh, the next question was, does it bring uh, the value that it should? And of course it should. And if it's not, what should you change in collecting or tracking velocity in order to use it properly? And this is where I say the number one piece of advice I can give is to take time out of the equation. But a close number two is to make sure that the product owner is at least involved initially so that you have a benchmark that you can compare against when you do your release planning or your pie planning or whatever it is that you're doing so that you can have the team validate against a hidden, non-influential estimate from the product owner, at least at the initial stages, so you know whether it's time to have a point of conversation about that item or not. So there you have it. Lots of good stuff here. What a powerful article. And thanks again to uh, Darla from scrum.org for putting that together. I thought it was magnificent. I was very impressed. And I hope that you are too. So if you have questions about this topic or any others, of course, I encourage you to visit agiledad.com where you can learn more about this topic or, or whatever topic you're looking for. And if you have an idea of something you'd like for us to review or something you want us to put up on the uh, Daily Stand-Up Podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'll learn more at agiledad.com. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we encourage you to stay healthy, stay well, and stay agile, my friends. Until next time, do take care.